When you get to heaven's gate, and you will, if there's a test to get in, and there won't be, pray that you get asked the question, what is the theme of Philippians? Versus being asked, what is Paul's atonement theory in Romans? I think only John's going to get that question. Uh, so pray that you're asked to get in, you know. What's that, what's that theme of the book of Philippians? Because the answer is so simple. And if you read the book of Philippians, you know that the answer is joy with a strong mixture of thankfulness and unity of people together. Paul is closer to the church at Philippi than any other church that he starts, ministers to, or writes to. The church at Philippi is truly his heart. Uh, you know, here, in every, in every letter that he writes to a church, he begins with, I thank God for you, uh, except to the Galatians. He just starts off with you foolish Galatians. He's not too fond of them. But with the church at Philippi, he goes this extra mile to express his heart for them, how much he loves them. They have been a faithful church to Paul. They have been supporters without asking. If you read the book of Philippians, he'll talk about the gift. Thankful for you remembering me for the gift. And, and so they have given to Paul financially without Paul ever asking. Paul was probably too proud to ask. This is a problem here many times. But he would also get down on people when they didn't give. So, so he had this mixture of, of things in his life that sometimes were interesting. But this church would send him money. He talks about... Thankful. I thank God every time I remember you. You have been so precious to me. You've been such supporters of me. You are the church that I wished I had everywhere. I chose this passage today because as Paul expressed his joy and thankfulness for the church at Philippi, I want to express my joy and thankfulness to you for letting me be your interim pastor for the past 10 months. I also want to encourage you with Paul's words to a good church. Philippi is a good church. He isn't dealing with issues here. He's just dealing with a good church and, and expressing his heart to them. I want to do that a little bit. Now, when I got asked to be your interim uh, back in December of 2021, I was not sure it was a good idea. Um, Gail had actually mentioned on the Sunday that I got asked, uh, she had actually mentioned as we were talking about what we're doing in church and all that. She said, you ever thought you might want to be an interim somewhere? And I said, yeah, I thought about it. No, I don't want to. And, and, uh, um, and so then I got asked here. And I wasn't sure about it. Oh, you know, I, I teach and I do consulting and I stay busy. And I'm supposed to be retired, but I don't seem to retire much. I tire, but I don't retire. Uh, and and so, so I wasn't sure about it. But I have to tell you, this has been one of the great blessings of my life, to get to be your interim pastor, to share with you. Somehow it was the right time in my life, and I hope the right time in the churches of life, for us to together say, what would God have us do while we look for our new pastor? Now, I know some of you have heard me joke about counting down how many more servants I have, ten more, nine more, eight more. But that truly was a joke. It has been a blessing to me. Now, I, I hope, hope you weren't counting down. He's only got 10 more, only 9 more, only 2 more, 1 more. You know? I hope you were always counting down. I'm sure you were at times. But, but it's been such a blessing to do that. Now, I did count down sermons. And I did that because I'm so excited about what's next for Dayspring. You are a good church. 
You are a faithful church. You are a church that exploring the edges of what God would have you be and do in the future. You're not living on your past, and you have a great and distinguished past. But you're looking at where is God going to take us? What's next? And I'm so excited about having a pastor come and, and be your pastor and lead you into that future and what it might look like. Uh, only God knows at this point, but it's exciting to think about that. Because Andrea isn't having come to a church where she's got to solve all the problems that there are. She's coming to a church ready to be the church. And ready to figure out what that means in 2022 and 2023 and beyond in this community at this place. And so I want to say to you, you are a wonderful group of people. You are a unique church. You have figured out and dealt with a lot of things that other churches are just beginning to emerge into. You have much to offer. The good news of the gospel is practiced here. As Dan was saying, that joy with one another, that being together, that buzz that happens here, the good news of the gospel is practiced here. People are welcome here to come and explore and find who God might have them be in this place. And so you are a good church. One of the emphasis Paul makes, and obviously the theme is joy in the book of Philippians, but one of the emphasis he makes throughout the book is he uses the word all a lot. I thank God for all of you. And so there is a theme of unity in the book of Philippians, a coming together. And so that's what a church should be, a place of unity, a place of coming together. And, and what's so great about Dayspring, as it was at Philippi, you can be different and be here and still be part of the unity. That is one of the wonderful things here. We have a wide span of theological viewpoints here. And yet we all accept and love one another for that. We have a wide expanse of, of, of life experiences here. And your life experience is valued here. Even if it's radically different than mine, I actually think I might learn something from you about life. And we have that kind of concept and idea here. And so Paul says, this is a place of all of us together. This is what a good church looks like. I'm excited as we look at Andrea's leadership. Dayspring can become so much all that God intends you to be. Now, Paul describes here in Philippians the qualities of a healthy church. First, he says, you are in partnership with me. Partnership is not, I own a little bit, you own a little bit, and we're all silent partners. Partnership is active participation. Again, as Dan was saying, active participation in the ways that God calls you with your time, your energy, your person, as well as all those things that you may have in terms of resources. Active participants in the gospel, continually, Paul says, consistently, from the beginning till now. And what a deep and long and great history Dayspring in Del Mar at one time was called. Uh, what a great history of continually, consistently seeking God. So we're partners in the gospel. We're also partners in sharing grace with one another. God's grace. All of us sharing it together in unity. Grace enables us to move forward, to achieve, to make things happen. And so it is God's grace we share in with one another. You are forgiving of me when maybe my sermon didn't hit the mark. Now, I'm sure there weren't many of those. How many sermons were there? I don't know. But anyway, you were forgiving. We extend grace to one another because we all know that we're God's people. 
And Paul says we're partners in defending the gospel. That is outside. Now, he doesn't mean that we should put up barriers and go out and have a war about the gospel. Just defending it, just telling people, as Frank Stagg once said, telling people that when you find the gospel and you share it with someone, you're just one beggar telling another beggar where you found food. We are willing to share the gospel in this community, to defend the gospel, to say, here's the reason that I come to Dayspring. Here's the reason I believe. Here's the reason that we practice the way that we practice and share in this grace together. And he said, so in defense of the gospel and confirming the gospel, now, now confirming, confirming the gospel, gospel was an internal piece. piece. Defending the gospels outside, how you share the gospel with others. But for Paul, confirming the gospel was an internal thing. And it's so exciting to have deep discussions in this place about God's word. I'll do a commercial here, and since this is my next to last sermon, you'll forgive me, I know. If you're, if you're missing Bible study, you're missing out. If you haven't attended one of the Bible study classes, you are missing out in this confirming of the gospel. Listen, there are some deep discussions that go on at Dayspring around Bible, around Bible study, around learning, around what this might mean. A real life kind of challenging at times and other times life-giving confirmations. Paul, now think about Paul. He's got all this going on. He's thanking him. He said, you're defending the gospel with me. You're confirming the gospel with me. I just thank God for you. And we know that Paul is actually in jail at this time. And actually probably realizing by now that he's facing death. And he says, in all of the challenges of life and all the ways that God blessed us, we are partners. The church at Philippi and us. Dayspring, we are partners with God and what God wants to do in this community. Partners with one another in sharing the gospel, defending it and confirming it, learning about it that we might share more. We are partners in that. So the first quality for a healthy church is that we are partners. The second quality is joy. Again, back to that, that theme. So if you read through Philippians, you'll hear Paul saying, uh, uh, I give joy in prayer. I give joy that Christ is proclaimed. I give joy that we have faith. I give joy that there's fellowship here. I even give joy for suffering for Christ. I give joy when I get the news of a loved one at Philippi and how well things are going. I, get new, I, give joy, I have joy for your hospitality. I have joy that I'm in Christ. I have joy that others find faith. I have joy that you've shared with me your gift. And so, and so Paul just, just keeps listing throughout this book all the ways that he's joyful, though he is in prison. The gospel, God's grace and our participation in it, produces joy. Dayspring is, and has all the right to be, and should be, a place of joy for everyone. Joy is the hallmark of the Christian life. Unlike you can hear some Sunday mornings if you watch TV, other than our live stream, uh, sometimes you'll hear sometimes through, through verbiage you may run into, joy is the hallmark of Christian life, not somber, kind of depressing, drudgery that I've got to obey because if I don't, God's going to send me to hell. That is not the hallmark of Christian life. The hallmark of Christian life is joyfulness. We're excited. God has given his grace to us. And so we are joyful. So if we're joyful people, what do we do? Paul gives us three imperatives for the person of faith. The first imperative is that we rejoice. That's joy in action. 
You know, when people are joyful, what do you see in them? They have energy. Now, when, now, when I come, come here and I'm not so joyful and I'm kind of down and I'm unhappy and I don't have much energy. energy. But, but when, when I, I come and experience joy and when I come and I'm rejoicing and have joy, that produces action in me. That gives me energy. And so we are to be joy in action. Listen, Paul says rejoice. This is a command in the Bible for those of us who are Christians, just like any other command. You know, Jesus said the new commandment I give you, that you love one another. This rejoice is a commandment just like that. This is a commandment from God that we are to be joyful to people. Christian joy is independent of all things on earth because it has its source in the continued presence of Christ. We all know people who've suffered. We all know people who are challenged. We all know people have just difficult days in their life, and yet we see them being joyful. I think that's because Christ is there. That source of presence. And you've got to remember Paul saying this again while he's in prison. So the first imperative for the Christian life is that we rejoice. The second one is that we let our gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness. Not that we're aggressive and go out that we're gentle. That is, as fellow believers, being gentle with one another and also being gentle with those who are outside the life of faith. The Christian life is characterized by joy and is to be distinguished by gentleness. Now, this word gentleness and maybe graciousness, it's an interesting word in the New Testament. It's really hard to translate. Uh, uh, you know, it, it feels at times lost in our world, does it not? You ever drive in rush hour? Do you see a lot of gentleness out there? Do you produce gentleness and joy when you're in rush hour? I know a lot of people salute me with their hands and various parts of their body when I'm driving, and maybe I cut them off accidentally, even though if I apologize. Uh, uh, the other day, a guy cut me off at our, near our house. And he took off, and it was my turn to go. And he kind of stopped, and I thought, because I'd started to go too, and I thought, this is, we're about to have an encounter that I would rather not have. And instead, he went, sorry. Right? That, that kind, kind of graciousness, that kind of gentleness, that has to be part of how we live our lives. But it goes much beyond that. The, world has a, the, the word has a long history in the Bible. Uh, it means to have a balanced, intelligent, decent outlook in life rather than to be licentious. A balanced, intelligent, decent outlook. It, it denotes, the word denotes equity and leniency versus strict adherence to the law. Like our experience of Christ who forgave us in spite of ourselves. It means that we act with fairness. So, so the word literally means beyond justice. That, that this gentleness we're to exhibit is, is beyond justice. It goes beyond justice to doing what is right. Justice says if you do something wrong, we come down on you. Right? You get the penalty. And, 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 and in law, that's how it has to be. You know, you know, don't, don't do the do crime if you don't want to pay the time, time right? Or do the time, time right? Uh, uh, that's, that's part of it. But, but this, this is God's grace at work. This is beyond justice. To doing what's right. To looking at people's heart and saying, you know, I know they probably didn't mean to cut me off. Or maybe even they did, but who knows what's going on with their day. I know they didn't mean to treat me that way, but they did. But who knows what's going on with their life. And I will go beyond justice. I will go to gentleness with them. And so we're called to this gentleness. It is a humble, patient steadfastness in the face of injustice, because injustice does a grace, uh, does, does exist. This is not saying there's not injustice in the world. 
because injustice exists. We disgrace and mistreatment exist. We're to be humble and patient and steadfast in our faith in the midst of that, trusting that God is there in spite of it all. The third thing that is an imperative for those who are us who are Christians is, is a negative, actually. It's don't be anxious. Because we can let God know our petitions through prayer. We don't have to be anxious. We can take our concerns, our anxiety to God in prayer, trusting three things, or maybe four things, since I have four here. Maybe five. I don't know. There seems to be a lot of them here. We can trust God. We can trust the love of God. In the midst of all that worries me, I can trust that God loves me. I can trust the wisdom of God. That God is wise, and God does understand my life and what's going on, is active on my behalf. I can trust the power of God, who can change things and change situations and really involve God's self in my life. And because of this, we pray with thanksgiving. God is a loving God, a God of wisdom, a God of power. Therefore, God, I won't be anxious. I'll share with you with thanksgiving my concerns, because I know that you care. The result in our lives is that peace of God. The peace that says here, uh, the word literally means more wonderful than we can imagine, that transcends all understanding. The peace of God is more wonderful than you can ever imagine. And it guards our hearts and it guards our minds. And we find that in Christ Jesus, the power of faith itself. So we rejoice as God's people. We are gentle as God's people, and we don't live in anxiety. And Paul tells us this is all possible because the Lord is near. Now, Paul probably meant eschatologically, but he also meant near to us in prayer and faith. And so that's who we are. Paul is confident. Paul says all of these things, you can be this, you're a great church, you can have this lack of anxiety, you can have joy. He says all of that is possible because we're partners in the gospel, we're full of joy, but most of all, because of God. Not because of our ability, not because of our power, though Paul definitely appreciates the people in their own right and what they're doing. But he says, here's the key to all this optimism I've got about you. It is chapter 1, verse 6, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, that God who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. You see, this is God's work here at Dayspring. And you can trust God to bring it about we just, we just need, need to be, be faithful, faithful participants, participants in it. God, God will make it happen. God will bring this to full completion as God wants it to be, both in our lives as individuals and in the life of this church. Dayspring, you're, in this, you're this kind of church. You're on the right path. I have gotten to know enough of you to know that you want this church to be the church that God wants it to be. You have a heart for this place. You are full of joy. You do bring a gentleness with you. And there is no need for us to be anxious. We get anxious at times here. We worry, we worry about, about things, we get a little anxious, and what about this or what about that? But there's no need for that, because this is God's work, and God will bring it to completion. Now, between Delmar and Dayspring, and Chuck, I'm looking to you to get me close, right? We have a history of about 150 years, I think like 147, 150. Five years short, so 145 years. That's, that's a good length of time, right? We have a history of 145 years of being partners in the gospel. Joy? Gentleness and no anxiety. That can be a challenging way to live. But the Lord is near. And God is at work going to bring this to completion. 
this is a very good place with incredible potential to be the church that God wants you to be. It has absolutely been my pleasure, my blessed pleasure, to get to be your interim pastor. I'm so excited that we're down to one now. So excited we're down to one because that means good things for Dayspring. I will forever think about Dayspring the way that Paul thought about the church of Philippi. In all my remembrances of you, I will think about a good church, a loving church, a gentle church, a church full of joy. Amen.